This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello. Yes, Origin is on the horizon, but before we get there, we have to cram a uh, Origin abbreviated around yeah. down our gullets. And the sourest, the sourest fruit of all, Origin affected club footy. That's right. The lemon of rugby league, as it were. That's right. And it's off to a scorcher with a... Uh, an uninspiring contest between the Dolphins and the Dragons. Nick, I just wanted this game to end, but you you kind of enjoyed it, you said. Yeah, man, I kind of dug it. Um, I get the feeling that the games that they play at Redcliffe are going to have that same sort of appeal that Leichhardt Oval does. Um, and we've gone mm. on at length about how much we love Leichhardt, but um, Finn Stadium, or what do we call it? SeaWorld. SeaWorld's very much on... Um, on my list, on my bucket list of rugby league places to attend. And just because... The crowd was so into it, and they were all kind of vibing it, and all that sort of thing. I don't know. I kind of enjoyed this one. Um, I thought the dragons started with a probably a lot of a lot of spirit and all of that, but I, th- I thought as the game went on and the emotion went out, all the dolphins played with a whole lot of control, which was really impressive. Isaiah Katoa, we've sung his praises a lot, but let me do it again. I thought he was. He, he plays with a real sort of sophistication and an understanding of the game that really belies his age. I, I really could not be more impressed with a lot of the stuff that he's doing. Um, and I thought Anthony Milford ran, wound the clock back in a really interesting way. Like when we talk about Milford, even now, like 10 years after he debuted, we still always talk about his running game being the being the thing that kind of unlocks him. And he did score that really good try where he got on the outside of a Monet and just sort of scorched him. But I thought this was kind of a throwback to a different sort of Anthony Milford, one that we saw at Brisbane for a while there where they kind of tried to turn him into a controlling half, which is never his natural sort of game, but he kind of did it enough that his kicking game low key became quite effective. And that was kind of what we saw tonight. I thought Katoa and Milford really worked together well and, and really just um, turned the ball over to the Dragons in 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 pretty bad positions. And when you have guys like that and you have a, a team of, of grinders, a team of workers like the Dolphins have, it's a it's a really good strategy, especially when you're undermanned. You know, so I thought this was a real triumph of of game plan and coaching and and execution. And when you've got someone like Wayne Bennett as your coach, that's kind of what happens. You know, this was you know, the Dragons aren't much chop at the minute. We all know that. But I thought given the outs that the Dolphins had and the control that they're able to play with, I was actually kind of impressed with them in this one. Yeah, and look, it's it's funny because we you think all the way back to like that first game against the Dragons where they got sort of played off the park in Wollongong. And that was sort of the first time of many times this year that sort of the overarching opinion was, oh, well, you know, it was a nice, it was nice while it lasted, but the air is going to start coming out of the tires soon and it and it just hasn't like they've had stumbling blocks here and there they they weren't very good last week against melbourne they, they struggled against souths a couple of weeks ago but in between they just they seem to just be taking care of business in every single game that they're either sort of favored or given sort of like a puncher's chance in and with with the draw they've got and and the wins they've already got under their belt that's that's a recipe for success and you're right like their second half performance might not have been sort of eye-catching or entertaining but they knew what they had to do. They had a lead. They got that Asako try to start the second half. And then they just kind of saw the game out. And you're right, because that's 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 calm and composed is not really a, a sort of they're not really adjectives you associate with Anthony Milford. And for him and 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 a teenager in Isaiah Katawa to just be steering around this team and, and sort of getting them to the finish line in a game like this, I think is extremely impressive. And yeah, they the the, you're, the dragons are not much chop and their attack is even even more rudderless without Ben Hunt. But you know, keeping a team to zero in a half of football is nothing to sneeze at. And they did that. And, you know, th- there's no reason now, I think, with half a season of footy under their belts to assume that this sort of cratering back to earth is going to happen. I think perhaps this is just who they are. This is a team that's never going to quit. They're going to graft. They're going to they're going to win the games that we expect them to win. They might come up against a couple of heavyweights later in the year and, and, and come up short. But for the most part, they're going to win the games that they, 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 they think they've got a chance of winning. And if you do that, you end up playing finals football. Yeah. All you got to do to play finals footy is beat all the bad teams, mm. which sounds simple, but like, if that's all you have to do. If you just knock over all the teams that are awful, you're probably going to come close to making it. I think you're right. I think it's pretty clear that this is a Dolphins team 
that maybe their ceiling isn't the highest, but I think their floor is quite high. Yeah. You know, they always, they, I think the only game this year where they've kind of really been blown off the park was that first one against the dragons, which was always going to be tough for them to back up the energy and the occasion of the, the Brisbane Derby they had the week before. But other than that, they've, they've put in a really good baseline every week. There's two other guys that I really want to shout out here. Um, Jermaine Asako, playing his 100th NRL game, scored 18 points. One was just a really easy finish, but one was a great sort of go up, like a catch and grab and stepping back inside and all that. And I think when you when he scored that first try and, and you can see the reaction that he has, I, I I think it's a real credit to himself and to Wayne Bennett and, and to what they're building up at Redcliffe that he's turned back into the player mm. that he has. Like he's the top point scorer. Again, he's probably going to be the top point scorer the entire league like he was when he was a rookie back in 2018 you know and he's a player who always had a lot of ability and could always bust tackles and was a really strong goal kicker and had a sort of knack for big plays late in games but he went through a really tough patch for 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 a couple of years there you know not just for a half a season or one season it was probably two and a half years where things were really difficult for him I know he had some troubles off the field with some with some family stuff with his father passing it back in New Zealand I know that was really hard on him and I I think for a while there, he just got into a pretty bad place with his footy where he was low on confidence and he was making a lot of mistakes and he looked and it looked like his time in first grade was, was coming to an end because that happens to some guys. Some guys yeah. get in a hole, they get in a funk and, and they can't get and, out of it and they never get out of it, you know, but not only has Osako managed to get out of it, he's come out of it and I think he's playing some of the best footy of his entire career, you know, and I think it's a real credit to him that he's managed to sort of find that confidence and, in, and, and that enjoyment in his footy again, you know, because like we said, some guys... They lose it and they never get it back. One guy who's never lost it, though, is Mark Nichols, who, again, scored one of those really nice tries that looks so easy because he just has that really subtle footwork to get into the hole. But if it was easy, everyone would do it, wouldn't they? You know, yeah. And he's just a player who I know he's a big favorite of yours, but just gets all the little things right all the time. And it's clear what an example he sets for the rest of the Dolphins forward pack. And I want to share a little story that ha- that happened to me the other day, right? So... When you're a journalist, you get a lot of weird press releases from weird PR agencies. Correct. You have no idea how they got your email, but they'll send you this weird pitch about some shit. Hundreds upon hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It happens all the time, all the time. Oh, here's a children's book that's being published in the UK. It's about road safety. Would you like to an interview with the author? No, I wouldn't. Mm. Stuff like that. But I and I got an interesting one the other day though. And it was from it was from some PR firm that the RSL people, like the people that run RSLs, Retired Services League, yeah. had had sort of gotten to try and get people excited about RSLs again. And it was quoting some <laughs> survey saying that 25% of Australians say that winning a meat tray at an RSL is on their bucket list. And I was right. like, well, for starters, winning a meat tray isn't that hard. I won a meat tray like two you've days won, after I got the You've won several meat trays. I'm really good at it. You just got to yes. get the right numbers. Hmm. But they said that um, they were launching a new meat tray, one that was more vegetarian friendly, had a lot of veggies and all that sort of shit in it. And to promote it, they had Mark Nichols, who was described in the email as Mark Nichols, RSL enthusiast and and NRL superstar. Sorry, you got an email about vegetarian friendly meals and Mark Nichols, and this is the first I'm hearing of it. I wanted a live reaction. Yeah, that's amazing. Imagine being that described to my as an account, RSL please? enthusiast. <laughs> that's Do you think great. that's why he signed with the Finns? Because he was like, I know it's a leagues club there, not he an RSL, the... but it's close enough. It's, it's right on enough. the stadium. The, I could go yeah. there every day after training. This will be great. There's no pokies at South Leagues. It's just not the same with the without the rattles of pensioners. <laughs> so Mark Nichols, loves, Mark, Mark Nichols loves three things. One, being ball. Two, scoring tries. Three, winning, winning meat trays at RSLs. That's great. The RSL enthusiast, we salute you. I think the funniest one ever that I got is when I was like a breaking news reporter covering like, you know, like, you know, like bushfires, murders. The fire today, for example, would have been something I would definitely have covered back in the day. But like, and like the guy, the PR person that oversees like McDonald's and all these other like food companies, they sent me a PR. It was honestly like a thousand words long. And it was the whole backstory for Bubbleo Jill, Bubbleo Bill's sister, who was hitting town. I didn't I do not, a yarn on Bubble I, no I had no idea there was a Bubble Bill extended universe. There was so there was so much lore in this email. I wish I remember, still had it. Because... Do you remember after the credits of the Bubble Bill movie where they yeah. teased the arrival of Bubble Jill? Like that's right. Do you remember how crazy the theater went when we saw that? 
people are like swag surfing and stuff. I saw a father and son embrace each other in tears that, yeah. that Bubble O Jewel was coming to the big screen. Yeah, they got to take down Gay Time Corp in the third movie. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, those press releases are great. But you know, you're right though, because sometimes you get some that genuinely make you laugh. And then once a year, on, once and in one and one in a hundred, you get one that's actually useful yarn, but that's yeah. not important. What's important <laughs> is that Mark Nichols is enthusiastic about RSLs. That's damn right. Um, to, so on the dragons, I, this was always going to happen though. We're always going to crater a little bit after the emotion of last week and, and all of that. I do think they'll be a little bit disappointed at how soft some of the tries were that they conceded. The Nichols one yeah. in particular. Like it was nice footwork from him, but you can't of, have a prop going over untouched next to the sticks. Well, DeBellin and Bird are two of their more experienced players, and they really should have been able to just shut that down. Do you think the big positive for them was Jacob Little, who has had a really, really good bounce back season? He's a real good example of how good a change of scenery can be for a fella's career. Um, thought he was running really well, picking his times. Really, really well. That's something that I would really like to see them keeping, uh, to see them continue to develop in the weeks to come. Um, but like with no sewer, no hunt, no lorry, and this is already a pretty thin roster. Like the margin for error is is extremely thin for them. You know, so tough beat. I, not every, not every, not every week is a is a new coach earning a last gasp victory at Cogra Oval, boys. Yeah, no, it's not. I did enjoy DeBell and throwing up the one set seconds before getting Sinbin. Oh, that was good stuff. That's leadership. <laughs> yeah, a clear Sinbin. I had no issues with that. Nor did yeah. I. No, okay, good. Just checking. I don't think anyone did. And given the player involved, I think even if it was wrong, no one would have given a shit. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? If you are a new listener to the show, uh, this is a new segment for 2023 called What About This Bloke, where we go back to usually the late 90s, early 2000s and talk about a rugby league player that you might have forgotten about. Um, Camper. Sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And beloved patron, Don Alex Sergio Comey. He's come in from the cold and the random number generator has uh, put him on the dial and he has chosen Matthew Peterson. What water player? A beloved, a beloved player. Like this guy, this is right in the sweet spot for what we're looking for with this segment. So mm. Matt Peterson, in case people don't know, is the guy who looked like Sideshow Bob. And everyone called him commentators, articles, fans, everybody called you him na- Sideshow you Bob. You name it, you name it, baby. And they, yeah. and they called him Sideshow Bob. But yeah, like he literally has the big, the big afro, the big curly afro. It's rare that you see a white fella with an afro. It's even rarer that that white fella can pull it off. But Matthew Peterson, the world's craziest white boy, he made it happen. He made it work. He once scored four tries in a game against South. That's right. I remember it used to be on the intro of Boots and All. Like him sliding into <laughs> yes, score and him counting it off on his hand. <laughs> Holy shit, it fucking yeah. definitely did. God, you've unzipped me, Camden. You've unzipped me. Because um, he, he, like, jokes aside, like, he had a couple of years there, 03, 04, where he was, like, a, a genuinely, like, good try score. Like, 14 tries in 15 in 20, in 03, and then 14 tries in 20 in 04. Yeah, he did pretty well. Um, Like... <sighs> Just like what it sounds basic, but he was kind of quick and he ran hard as hell. And if you just do that, you're gonna get a run somewhere. He's actually got quite an interesting backstory. He's a he's a Perth junior, like an I knew out, that because they were always Perth. He was junior. always like the guy when people look, oh, talking about Perth expansion, they'd be like, Oh, Curtis Rona later on and Matt Peterson were the two guys. Yeah, Matt Matt Peterson as as captain as inaugural captain of the the reborn Perth Reds. That was a dream yes. in 2006 and hopefully it can still be a reality. But, but yeah, it was like an out and out Perth junior. Um, I'm pretty sure he would have got his start in the Western Reds pathways at some point, but uh, got spotted by the Cowboys, had a year up there and then came down to para, which I think most people would, would know him for. Um, and he did have those good years where he, you know, scored a few tries and was on some pretty good sides. I think he, I think he had a, a really good year in 05 when the Eels won the minor premiership, the Tim Smith year. But um, one of the things that I always remember about him is 
he was marking up on Sonny Bill Williams in Sonny's first grade debut in round 104. So Sonny's out in the centers. Matt Peterson, you know how sometimes centers get in their heads that they're wingers, wingers get in their heads that they're centers and they spend like a week there, get dusted and then shuffle off back to the wing. Well, Matt Peterson's week in the centers just happened to be when he was marking up on Sonny. And that's one of those games that's really burned in my memory. Like I could, I could tell you where I was, what I was doing, who I watched that game with. I was only 11 years yeah. old, but like Sonny Bill was one of those guys who really, really burst on the scene. And for all those highlights, if you go watch him, poor old Matt Peterson with his sideshow Bob Perry is just getting shown up by, by the big fella. And actually I did a story on this um, a couple of years ago in the lead up to Sonny's last NRL game for the Roosters in 2020. And I tracked down Matt Peterson. I think he's running like a tire shop on the, on the Gold Coast or something like that. And he was extremely gracious. He was like, yeah, like I had no idea who Sonny Bill Williams was before the game. And now, now he's the highlights of him showing me up of just going to follow me till I die. It's great. And I was like, what a great worldview, Matt Peterson. Yeah. There's a, there's a cracking, I was pulling up some old articles as well. There's a cracking story from 2016 and it's, yeah, just him posing for a photo in a, in a tire shop. So it's just, it's fantastic. He loves tires, man. Yeah. Um, he loves tires. And of course, people may not remember. I did remember this before I looked it up. But he played a bunch of games for America, including against Australia. Yeah. So um, in 2004, on their way back from the Tri-Nations, the, the Kangaroos played the USA at uh, Liberty Field in Philadelphia on a like on a fair income gridiron field with gridiron posts and all that. And I have no idea how this game came about or how it happened or anything like that. But I remember when it happened. I remember I taped it. I had it on a on a VCR. I remember I cut out the articles from it, from the paper, and I had a scrapbook back then that I stuck everything in and all that. And I remembered it because the American jerseys are just absolutely gorgeous. Like So if you get a chance today, to just Google Australia, USA, Rugby League 2004. It's brilliant. And they're just beautiful strips. And then the ball itself as well is patterned with the stars and stripes. Like it's just, it's, it's the most, it's the most mid nineties thing that ever happened in the mid two thousands. It was unbelievable. And the whole game's on YouTube, by the way, if people want is to it, I got to watch that. But anyway, the big talking point I remember was America led 24, six after about 30 minutes with Matt Peterson pulling the strings at five, eight. And literally the only two blokes in the team that anyone would have heard of was Matt Peterson was playing five, eight and a guy named Brandon Costin, who was also known as Brandon Pearson a bit earlier was playing halfback for the States. Other than that, it was just a bunch of battlers who were running around in the American competition. And of course, Australia probably been on the piss for three days before the match, but still this is the best team in the world. This just dominated not, the trinations, but bef- yeah, Matt like Peterson, people- Captain America said no, yeah. turned it on. Pe- man. But people think by the way, that it might've been sort of like, like a, and, and I guess it was to an extent a second string team, but some of the players that played in that game for Australia included Darren Lockyer, pretty good. Brett Kamali, Darren Lockyer was the halves. Petro played. Sean Berrigan played. Matty Bowen was the fullback. Like Luke Rooney, Matt Cooper, Brent Tate, Matt Sings, the back line. Still a shitload of talent there. And yeah, the 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 the, the Yanks were up twenty four to six at half time before getting run down 36-24. But bloody hell. Bizarre. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, that that see, that's when they should have taken a premiership game to the States. Take it to Philadelphia, the true home of rugby league. Play, they'll yeah. fill the link. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, after that, I think Peterson had a couple of years with the Titans, then he had a couple of years with um, I think it was Wakefield in England. Um, and that was kind of the last anyone heard of him until 2013 when Barack Obama broke the broke the case, broke the emergency glass and summoned Matt Peterson to again pull the strings for his beloved USA Tomahawks. And he played in another World Cup for him. He was playing 5'8 again. I think he was about 36 by that point or something like that. And the US had that great run where they made it all the way to the to the quarterfinals when they were un- and then they were unceremoniously smoked 68 nil by the by Australia. But there's only so much Matt Peterson can do. You know, he'd and, already given many lives for his country. And that um that uh that um that USA team in twenty thirteen had a few guys people had heard of. It what they had Clint Newton, Eddie Pettiborn, uh Junior Paulo, not that one. Yeah. As well as as well as <laughs> Joseph Paulo was running around and, for um, Barita Faramino, who I vaguely remember as well. I think he played for Para. He did, yeah. Yeah. So that's but yeah, nice. Matt, Matt Matt Peterson, what a what a rugby league life he lived. A, a true 
globetrotter, you know, from Perth to Para to England to America. He did it all. If he was actually born in America, I think he could run for president. I'd vote for him. I'd vote for him. I'd commit electoral fraud to vote for him. I would too. Stop the steal. But don't. Let it go. Let them steal. (laughs) Let them steal. If if Matty P is involved, let him take what is his. All right. That was, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. What a yeah, guy, well, it's always thing. nice when we can go on a journey with these sorts of things, you yeah, know? you're definitely going to spend the next two hours watching that game on YouTube, aren't you? Probably not. It's kind of late on Thursday <laughs> night. It's very um, late. But <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, That's maybe, 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 no, maybe the it. next time. Watch it, on, <laughs> watch it on Wednesday morning. Oh, you were you were preparing for State of Origin, were you? Well, I was busy <laughs> watching Australia versus the USA. True, true rugby league men were... Uh, we're hanging out watching the 2004 Liberty Field clash. And after that, I watched my second favorite game, books. <laughs> uh, who's up next week? Up next week is, I'm not actually sure who this person is because they change their name a lot on Patreon. Oh. Their current name is Twilo's Pies Investment Group. Fuck, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, he, he keeps changing it. He's also been 360 bail bondsman. I think he was... Oh. He was 360 about Bondsman last week. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure of your actual name, but brother who's who's got many aliases, this is your time, son. You're ready to go. Yeah, fuck yeah. All right. Well, can't wait for that. Uh, and if you'd like to be in the running to nominate your own guy, all you have to do is be a patron of the Discord, uh, of Boom Rookies. You get access to Discord server and all the rest. So patreon.com forward slash NRB Rookies. All right, Nick, let's preview some rugby league games. There's not a whole lot of games to preview this weekend. Uh, just a handful with with a boatload of teams on buys, but we do only and yeah. Look, tomorrow's going to feel weird from like six to about seven forty-five, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not going to like it. That's when I might watch the, the Philadelphia game. Searching for answers, searching for something in our lives because there's no six p.m. game, and the eight p.m. game looks like it could be a bit of a stinker with a suddenly resurgent Parramatta Eels taking on a depleted North Queensland Cowboys. Well, yeah, well, North Queensland got beaten by 10,000 points last week and have lost a lot of blokes to origin. And they're kind of in that unenviable mid-season position where they're playing a bunch of blokes who are either on debut, like are either on debut or that a lot, not a lot of people have really heard of. So they got two fellas on debut. Um, Bob Robert Darby. Darby, who's a PNG international on the wing. He does all, I know a little bit about him. And Zach Labart at center. And all I know about him is he's probably Kyle Labart's brother. I was going to so, say, is he related to Kyle Labart? The answer is almost certainly yes. Well, Labart's like Smith up there. You know what I mean? So it's impossible to say. But yeah, like Parramatta did look to have turned a, cor- turned a corner last week. And even though they do have a few blokes out, I think we mentioned on the Monday show that they're going to be without their entire 2022 grand final forward pack, which is absolutely insane. But some of the guys who have come in are going to be really capable. I actually really like Joel Fengawe for them as a signing. Yeah. Um, straight I think in there as well. Yeah, straight in there. I think he's done pretty well at the Tigers over the last couple of years. I think occasionally he had a tendency to put up sort of empty calorie numbers. He put up really good numbers, but then make a couple of key mistakes or whatever. But we've seen what Brad Arthur's able to do with forwards who have a lot less talent than Joel Fengawe. He's get right now, he's getting his hands on someone who clearly has a whole lot of ability. So I'm excited to see what what he can sort of rejuvenate out of Joe Fengaway over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. But like our man, Widow Grieg is still up front. Matt Dury's back in first grade, which is a move I really like. Um, I think they'll look for Jermaine, Hop- Jermaine Hopgood to to really sort of lead the way in this one. Um, and, and you know, really maybe, maybe discover a little bit of that early season form that everyone was so impressed with. But Moses still here. Brown's still here. I think a lot of the things Parramatta were able to do well last week, they'll be able to do well again. And you take into account second away game in a row for the Cows. I know they'll come out with a point to prove after what happened to them last week, but they're so undermanned. Like, you just have to go para this one, don't you? Oh, mate, I, 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 I say so. I mean, look, Cowboys notoriously bad in Sydney to begin with, but then you look at the four outs for this week. Murray Talangi, Rube Cotter, Tom Dean, Val Holmes. That's that's some heavy hitters. And yeah, Junior Paulo and Ryan Madison. Junior Paulo is a huge loss through origin and Ryan Madison's a loss through injury, but I just don't think it's the same thing. As you said, they've got Brown and Moses, they've got Gutherson, they've got they've got their they've got their full choice spine. Offer Hengawe comes in. He's obviously not Junior Paulo, but he's a pretty decent player. And I think they should have more than enough to handle an understrength Cowboys 
Yeah, the only the only thing that could have sort of steered me towards the cows would be if Jason Talmalolo was making that return from injury. He got named an extended bench, but he didn't make the cut today. So it looks like he's out, and it's just hard to sort of see where they're going to be able to threaten power. I'm sure Scotty Drinkwater will pull a couple of tries out of somewhere, as he is wont to do. But yeah, it just looks like a long way back from the cows for this one. But I do think it's important that they just put in a respectable performance. Like just something to restore a little bit of confidence and a little bit of pride after the way they were humiliated last week. It cannot be any worse than last week. You got to remember that. <laughs> well, if we're back here on Monday, they've lost 77 18. Well, okay. But yeah, all right. Um, a not so super Saturday, just the two games starting across the ditch with the Warriors hosting the Broncos. Again, it's a very origin affected team uh, for Brisbane. Warriors, excluding Dylan Walker and Wade Egan being out a full strength. They don't lose anyone to state of origin where of course there's no Pat Carrigan, Payne Haas, Reese Walsh, Selwyn Cobo or Tom Flegler for the Broncos, some gigantic outs. Um, and, you know, traditionally when the Warriors were not, so the pre Nathan Brown Warriors, when they were actually a competent organization, this was traditionally the part of the year where they would pick up a bunch of points on the pack around them because just like this game, they would place a bunch of teams based in Queensland or New South Wales who had origin players. They usually wouldn't have many, if any, shout out scribe, and they would um, rack a couple of wins together in the middle portion of the year. And I think that the way they're going right now, uh, they could go back to doing that again uh, if Andrew Webster keeps them on the straight and narrow, which he has done so far. And this looks like a prime opportunity for them to strike. I'm really disappointed that this game is being played at this time of year because the Warriors and the Broncos could, if everything was sort of executed the way it was meant to, the Warriors and the Broncos should be one of those games that's a real highlight of the year, right? Because if the Broncos host the Warriors and either team is anywhere close to full strength, you get a big rowdy crowd up at Suncorp because the only place that has more Kiwis than New Zealand is Southeast Queensland. You know, like when you see the Warriors crowd, the, the crowds that the Warriors get at Magic Round Games or or when they have played the Broncos at full strength there were a lot in, of Warriors in fans Queensland there. in the past, it's really, it's really been rocking, you know, and just feels like there's a really big marquee fixture there that we're all, that is all just sliding right under our noses, you know, but I do agree with you that this looks like a, a pretty solid one for the Warriors. I think that buy came at a really good time for them. I think they were pretty busted, pretty busted up after a couple of tough games and a couple of matches on the road and all that. I think they had a few blokes who were sort of nursing a few injuries. Tohu Harris is probably, is probably one. I think Jackson Ford was a bit, was a bit banged up as well. And I think them in New Zealand with this lineup looks, looks pretty strong. You know, I'm really excited to see what Luke Metcalf has got at five, eight. He's someone who has really been dominating the lower grades for the last couple of years, but just hasn't got a run in first grade. He didn't get a run at first grade for the Sharks last season because he'd already signed with the Warriors. And then in the couple of trial games he played for the Warriors this year, he looked fantastic. And then he did his knee and ended up missing a a really long stint. But he's a, a really sharp runner of the ball. I think he'll complement Johnson really, really well. Um, and Brizzy, I, I, it's a better looking Brizzy team than I thought we were going to get, given all the guys that they they do have out. Um, and I think there still is points in him. There's always going to be points in him when Reynolds and Mam are out there together and when you've got Farnworth and Staggs who can just create stuff out of nothing. But when you think about the way the Warriors forward pack has been playing this year with Harrison, Fanua Blake and Ford and Neocore and all of them, I just don't know if Brisbane are going to quite have the muscle to match them. You know, they rely so much on on, on what, what Payne Haas and Pat Carrigan can bring. And while Kobe Hetherington is a very capable replacement, I think Keenan Palacia, Xavier Willison and Marty Tepel, I don't know if they're going to quite have the grunt to – yeah, to get it done. There's a couple of young Brisbane guys that I'm excited to see. I've, I'm, I'm, I really want to see more from Brendan Piacora. I think he's only played the two NRL games in the past two seasons, but he's someone that a lot of really smart footy people have a really big rap on. And it's the same with Dean Mariner, who I think is playing his second NRL game on the wing. So I'm excited to see those young fellas get a guy. That's the silver lining of the origin affected rounds. Like young fellas get in and and get their chance and all that. But this this does sort of shape as as a special for the Warriors for me. Like I thought about Cole training it for a hot second, decided against it. But uh, yeah, it's Waz up on this one, I think. Yeah, for me, I think the forward pack is is the big thing here. They struggle without Payne Haas at the best of times, but you take away Patrick Carrigan and Tom Flegler on top of that. It's just difficult to see where, where the go forward is going to come from. And that's why... Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. Oh, he thinks yeah. he did. Oh! 
Coal Train Carp. Up the was. I'm doing it. it. He's on the midnight train to Napier. I sure am. I was having a look at that. I was having a look at McLean Park earlier. It's usually a cricket cricket place. They still play cricket there now. A famous test venue. Yeah. So I don't know about that. Bad vibes. Don't like games at cricket grounds. Don't like it at all. You probably do a little bit. You're always an SCG man. I, I think the SCG is underrated as a footy ground, not because of the view, but just because of the vibes. I think it's a it's one of the few grounds that has a real sense of history about it. Um, I do agree with that to an extent. I guess it was just because the Roosters played there for a whole two seasons and that kind of ruined it. Well, they won every fucking game. Well, that's often by true. Often by many, many points, which kind of killed, kind of killed a bit of the atmosphere. Wasn't very gentlemanly of them, was it? It was. It was not a true. A true Harvard man would have uh, would have let the other team win in a show of sporting grace. That's right. Okay, so yeah, uh, I'll be culturing the Warriors. Uh, apologies to Warriors fans because I've been awful at culturing this year. But uh, yeah, we move on. Uh, all right, this is a first, Nicholas, since you. Uh, Became a full-time host of this show. Uh, yes. The Canberra Raiders have never played the South Sydney Rabbitohs, but they play each other this week. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to check that one. I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I genuinely am shocked if you told me maybe two weeks ago that uh, South would have one more origin player than Canberra. I would have been <laughs> pretty... I'm oh, sorry, two more. Elliot Wire's not playing origin. He's out because he, he got suspended. But uh, yeah. Um Crazy to think that Souths, after all my whinging, have only lost three players for this game. Although that's the message. Are... That's the message, kids. Just whinge until your dreams come true. That's right. Um, but there are strong rumors that Campbell Graham will be not in the team. I mean, we're recording Thursday night. Uh, by the time Souths do the captain's run tomorrow, he could well be out of the team. But right now, he's still named to play. Uh, that situation's been a bit funny all week. A lot of people have a lot of takes about it. But as for the game itself, Campo, I think. Um, I think South being slight favourites is probably about right, given the given the team list we've now got in front of us. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Look, even when you were dooming and glooming about South having forty eight players in Origin and, and and you know having to roll out an SG Wall side to play Canberra, I always had this circled as a bit of a danger game for the Raiders, just because I, as long as Cody Walker was there, I always thought that they were going to be in with a chance because Canberra's weaknesses. This year have been down two main defensive channels. Like so that sort of Elliot Whitehead, Jamal Fogarty gap has been pretty exploitable for them. And while I think Jared Croker has defended really well since he's come back into first grade, I think teams are are spotting up sort of his inside and Jack Whiten's outside a little bit. And I think those are the two spots that teams can really go after. And if teams go after them in quick succession in back-to-back plays, Canberra find it really, really hard to deal with. And that's something Cody Walker's really good at, just getting the ball where it needs to go, helping the team hit hit both edges of the field really, really quickly, reloading really, really fast. He sort of strikes me as the as the player that kind of holds this game in his hands a little bit. Um, I, you know, it, it's it's always hard to know how guys are going to do when they miss Origin or whatever, because like you can say, oh, they got a point to prove or whatever. It's like they had a point to prove trying to get in there as well, you know. But when you look at this South team, it is a lot stronger than what I was anticipating. Mm-hmm the Raiders were going to have to face, you know, and it's sort of, it's sort of now gone from a danger game to, I think a genuine coin flip. What gives me a bit of confidence with the Raiders funnily enough is how bad they were against Manly. A lot of the time they're pretty good at rebounding after really bad losses. They sort of get shamed into valor a little bit. Their best win of the season this year was against Brisbane without Joseph Tarpanay. And it came after that horrible loss against Penrith the week before. So I think the nature of that loss to Manly where they got on top early and then just sort of went off the job, it sort of primes them then to come back well and to put in something closer to a genuine 80-minute performance. I think they might be able to get on top in the middle of the field with Tarpany and Papali'i uh, leading the way. What does worry me a little bit, though, is like I don't think Elliot Whitehead's had a particularly good season, but Canberra's back row depth is so poor that they're going to have to put Corey Horsbury out there. And he's like a mobile guy for his size. But it hurts but... middle as much as anything else. Oh, it does. Well, it just makes the middle a little bit more limited because I think they, I think Corey Horsbury's best asset for the, the middle of the field for them is actually his passing. It helps them move the ball really well. And their attack was so stayed last week. But anyway, I'm getting off track. The idea of Corey Horsbury having to make like defensive decisions from what Cody Walker is, is, is throwing at him. It, it doesn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence, you know, just because it's an unfamiliar 
position for him. It's not the sort of thing that he has to do all the time. I think he'll be fine in attack. I think he could be quite good in attack, especially if you can isolate some smaller defenders. But defensively, it is a bit of a worry for me. Yeah, look, there's a there's a few intriguing things for me in this game. I mean, the, the, the fitness of Cameron Graham is one. I personally, if I had to bet right now, I don't think he's going to play. But there's someone on the extended bench who did train this week and could be a late inclusion. And that is, of course, Keon Kalamatangi, who's lack of presence on that right edge has been felt in those last couple of years. I know Souths have won most of the game since he's been out, but there's been a lot of plays, a lot of set moves to that side that have broken down when the ball's gotten to Michael Cheekham. He obviously, he's an okay backup, but he doesn't have anywhere near the sort of punch and dynamism that Keon Kalamatangi has. And you talked about the weaknesses that, that, that Canberra have in that corridor. Graham, whether it's Graham or whether it's Tane Milne or whether it's Richie Kenner, if they've got Keon Kalamatangi back there as well. Hang on. If it's Richie Kenner. It could be Richie Kenner. Yeah, I know, but like Campbell Graham to Richie Kenner is a, a pretty fair drop. I understand what you're saying. But... Could I? Could uh, was that worth butting in? Did you need to butt in? I think I, I making... think so. I th- I think it was. Bro. I hope Richie Kenner scores a hat trick this weekend. Well, bro, put him on the left wing. He might. Well, that's true. That's where but he anyway, scores his hatties. That's right. Well, anyway, my my point was, I think Colomatangi is so transformative to everything they do, sort of in that sort of right hand side of the field that. Yeah, they can find a lot of joy going up against, especially Jared Croker, right down that laneway. And if he plays, I think that's enough for me to tip them with confidence. If he doesn't, I think it is a genuine coin flip. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I just am curious to see how Jack Whiten plays as well. I mean, it, it must be a it's, a it's a strange thing mentally for a player to go up against a team that he's joining next year. I do remember Angus Crichton did have really good games for us in the year against the Roosters when he'd already signed for them. I know in the past there's... Been, I mean, I can't really think of any other ones off the top of my head, but there's been plenty of examples of players having to do this in the past. I guess it can go either way, but I think Jack White, and if anything, will have a point to prove, and he'll be up for a big one. Uh, well, if, you, if you're trying to predict what Jack Whiten's going to do, all you're doing is is asking God to make a fool of you. You know, <laughs> like, he had the shocker last week. He could have another shocker. He could have a blinder. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But I do think this is something of an important one for Canberra because – Part of the reason White and, and Josh Papali'i both retired from Rep 40 is because they said they wanted to give their full focus to the Raiders. Well, this is a week where they need that full focus. This is a week where mm. they need some of their big guns to really, really step things up, you know, because this is a time of year when Canberra can can really make some big strides. They've got a really good draw over the next couple of weeks. Apart from Hudson Young, they're probably not going to have an origin player this year, you know, so it's time to sort of, it's it's time to step it up. There's a lot of things that are possible for them if they're good enough and if they're capable enough. I, and they've got yeah. the they've got the team to do that. Even with even with Hudson Young out, even with Corey Horsburgh on the edge, even without Elliot Whitehead, they've got the team to to handle Souths. I don't have any doubt about that. I have doubt if they're gonna have sort of like the mental fortitude to execute the plan the the the, the way that the way that it needs to, you know, Zach Wolford's back. That's really big for them. Canberra's record with him is really really strong. Um, I think he's played 24 NRL games now. Canberra's won 17 of them. Mm. 17 and seven is pretty close to a top four record, which is crazy. I'm hoping he can sort of give them some of that attacking wits that they really lacked last week because I I, I would like to see them play with a bit more of an expansive nature in this one. So I'm I'm going, I'm going, I'm going Canberra because fuck, dude, I'm not tipping south. Not Well, of course. No, I wouldn't expect you to. I do like, is it real? Like, I'm just like looking ahead. Like you have obviously looked at your draw for the next couple of months, basically up until you play the storm in like round 24. Yeah. You don't really have a game that I don't think is winnable. So is this game that important really? Because like, I think so. I I think so. Cause it's going to just, just like it's important teams in the next couple of months. Yeah. But it's important to rebound from that bad loss. Mm. It's important to show that that was an aberration, not Canberra playing a team that was halfway decent and oh, Canberra just are a bunch of flat track bullies that beat up on shit sides. If Canberra are just a bunch of flat track bullies that well, not beat up because they didn't beat any of them up, but if they're just, if they're just guys that can beat a bad team that can, like we said before, that can be enough to sneak into the finals and that's fine. But if they want to aspire to something a little bit more than that, and they're playing a, and they're playing a team that's without some of their best guys, then they need to handle them. That's true. I guess that's true. I just like, I'm not so sure sort of like a, 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 a couple a couple of depleted teams playing each other in this origin 
period is going to be that important to the context of your season when you've got a fucking 17 games against the Tigers and Warriors coming up in the next. In the <laughs> People next said the NRL was now. crazy for scheduling 17 Raiders Tigers games in a single season. <laughs> they did. And they said they were even crazier that all 17 were in Canberra. But you know they, what? They did. I applaud. They got a point. Uh, so you're, you're not you're not coming to this game, are you? No, no, I'm not. I'm uh, working tomorrow night, sadly. So I cannot I cannot be there. Mm, I am sad because I'll be there, and it'll be cold and empty, like my heart <laughs> when we lose. <laughs> I'm tipping much, much like our beloved Matt Bungard, this game will have no soul. That's right. Uh, and I do have with... one question yeah. I want to ask you before we move yes. on to the final game of the round. Mm. Why is when did Latrell Mitchell? become scared of the Canberra Raiders and why is he too much of a coward to face them? Uh, that's a great question. I think I would flip that around and say that he felt so bad about what he did to them in the 2019 grand final that he vowed never again to subject them. Oh, so to th- that this is, this is mercy. This is, this is, mercy. this is mercy from the thick King. Latrell, <laughs> the, the benevolent, I always forget which one's the bad one, benevolent or malevolent. But benevolent, benevolent means good. good. Yeah, Latrell the benevolent just, <laughs> He knows what he took from you that night. You personally, Nick Canton. <laughs> he actually told me that. He said, "Yeah, that Campo. Um, I saw him. I saw a single tear run down his his cheek as I as I set up the winning try in the grand final. I was and, literally um, as far. I was literally on the other side of the stadium, as far as a we person. were so far away. As, <laughs> but that's how big the tear was. <laughs> and he said, "Never again. I couldn't do that to my my sweet my sweet boy from Camden. He so just loved through, his footy. through a." combination of yeah, circumstances. This is a bizarre stat in all seriousness. Latrell Mitchell has not played against the Raiders since he joined the Rabbitohs. He's missed the game either to do just suspension, injury, or origin every single crazy. time, which is just, which is crazy. Which is now, this is season four of him as a Rabbitoh. <laughs> yeah, nuts. Wild. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good game. Tell, tell, tell Latrell I appreciate his mercy. <laughs> I will. And he will say, no thanks needed, Nick. I got you. Uh, finishing up, one game on this sucks. One game on Sunday. I'm gonna do all day. Talk I don't to my know. loved ones. Yeah, I don't know. That sucks. I'll probably watch oh. the Philadelphia game another couple of times. Newcastle hosting Manly, uh, both with just the one origin rep. But it is funny to look at the outs in the Manly column and see Tuboyevich, 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 Cherry Evans. Well, I tell you, they the hamstrings on the Tuboyevich on the Tuboyevich family. Right, so the one, lower, one in each. One the in lower each leg. Team, the I lower leg said. muscles. I don't know what's going on there, guys. Because, of course, Cherry Evans in the Queensland team as well. How could I forget? But, yeah, um, I don't think the Knights were expecting to have Kalen Ponga nor Dane Gagai for this one, uh, but they do. Uh, I dare say they might not have been expecting to have both Saifidis as well, but they do. So, yeah, well, you look at you look at that Knights team, because, you know, and the only out is freezing. You're like, this is pretty close to... To the to to the best they've got. You add Frizz in and you add in Jaden Braley, and that's kind of like kind of rolling heavy there. But the big one here for me is Kalen Ponga going back to fullback and Lockie Miller dropping to the bench. So do you think this is just a temporary thing while Miller gets his mojo back? Because he has had like yeah. probably a rough month after that great start to the season. Mm. Or do you think this is them admitting defeat on the Kalen Ponga to five eighth stuff uh, uh- forevermore? I think it's the former. I don't think Kalen Ponga has been the disaster at 5 I don't, and he's missed a bunch of games anyway. I just certainly don't think that we have the sort of runs on the board either way to make a a, a definitive of call on whether he whether he whether the 5 jersey is in his future or not. But he has had some nice games. I thought he played great two weeks ago. I don't think it was too bad last week. I know he had the the head knock and went off, and then had the play the ball incident, but. Like, he's been okay. The, you're right, dude. The issue has been Lockie Miller. He had a great first month of the season, but he's really struggled since then. And I think this is a move that they've made out of necessity rather than anything else. And if they still had, I mean, I can't even think of anyone else. Like, if they still had someone else at fullback that they trusted, then I think they would stick with Ponga. But again, it's also like, Tyson Gamble comes on every week and does cool things. Like he's contributed to them positively in a lot of games. And I think that that's the other part of it is you want to try and get Ponga, Hastings and Gamble all on the field at the same time. And I know that they have been doing that in different ways, but if you can just have them all on the field for 80 minutes, that might be better for them currently. And whilst this was at some point, I think perhaps them sort of thinking, oh, look, this season's going to be another rebuilding one. We'll stick with Ponga at six, no matter what. 
they've probably looked at the first half of the season where they've they've won a few games, they've had a couple slip away from them, and looked at this game, which is very very winnable, and gone, well, look, we're still we're still pushing for a final spot here, and if we want to give ourselves the best chance to win games right now, Lockie Miller's not a part of that. Well, I I, I agree that I, I do like this change for them, so I agree with you on that. But I I, I think this is them giving up on Ponga to five eight forever because. I think when you look at the things he's done well at 5'8 this year, and we mentioned this in the aftermath of that Titans game, they have come from doing fullback stuff. They have come yeah. from like the kick to Tyson Frizzell, for example. That was just him getting the ball in broken play and creating something. If you if you look at the the, the two tries that he scored, well, it was, might have been a try he scored when he set up, I don't remember. But they both came on the back of... of um, like it came off the back of a first receiver and then a second yeah. receiver. And then he was the sweep runner out the back. You know what I mean? So it was coming in, in the patterns that fit fullback play. So I, I, at the time, I think I said, if he's just doing fullback stuff, but Lockie Miller's also on the field and that's a plus, but if Miller is continue, if Miller continued to struggle the way that he did and Pong is going to struggle at five, eight, because that's just what happens when someone assumes a new position. They, there are weeks when they're going to struggle. I just don't mm. think they can carry but I, both of those things in the lineup. If they want, if they though, want to be a serious team. Hypothetically though, do you think that in the off season, if they, instead of going Lockie Miller, they'd let's say got Will Kennedy or Nick Meany or someone like that. Do yeah. you think they'd still, do you think this would still be happening? Cause I genuinely don't. Well, I, part of the reason that I was more comfortable with Ponga having another crack at five eight is because Miller is is probably as good a replacement at fullback as as you could get without splashing the money on yeah. someone like okay. a Will Kennedy. Um, but if you keep chopping and changing with this, all you're doing is is slowing down any potential progress that Ponga does have towards being a a, a star five eight in this league. So, I, I I don't think you can chop and change. I think once you mm. make the switch, you kind of have to stick with that, you know? And like, I don't hate that for them. I was, I was always pretty skeptical about Ponga to five, eight. I've always thought fullback was his best position. And the, the move to five, eight, I, I understood why they were going for it, but it, it never made sense to me because like play your best player in his best position. So he can be his best, you know? So I don't, I don't mind that for them. I wouldn't mind if this was a permanent move, you know, cause I do think Hastings and Gamble, complement each other quite well in the halves and while gamble is is a bit of a wild boy the things that he does are very most of the things that he does with ball in hand are very simple and very basic and very solid and when you have ponger out the back all you need is a five eight that's going to go to the line and and create a bit of room for him all you need is someone that's just going to take that little bit of pressure off the defense and get ponger on that left side off a two-pass shift with bradman best hitting a hole and Greg the leg thundering down the wing, you know? So, so, and I like the idea of Ponga being able to link with those two guys. He's never had two weapons that dangerous on that left edge. Best has probably never played this well. You know, he's never had a winger quite like Marju, you know? So yeah, I, I look at that. I like that move for their attack. I think both the Safidis will come out with a point to prove after they've, after they've missed origin. And I think that rather than someone like Damian Cook missing origin, the Safidis can just be angry and go out there and smash things. And when they're like that, good stuff happens for Newcastle. And if you look at that manly pack without, without, um, without Jake, all of a sudden it probably doesn't look as strong. And I know Paseca was fantastic last week, but he is just, uh, he is just one fella, you know? And, and then you look at that, that manly back line and it just looks tough. It's like outside of Schuster, I'm not sure where the points are going to come from. You know, I think KO weeks is, is, is still finding his way in first grade. I'm not sure if fullbacks, going to end up being his spot. Um, and, uh, you know, the Knights at home at a big crowd at Knights, Manly is always a really big game. I think, just feel like all the, the reasons are lining up for the Knights in this one, which is a shame because Manly was so good last week. But given the decks, the decks seem stacked for the Knights. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train cup. I'm getting on the train. I'm taking the... Uh, the 2.30 p.m. express service to Newcastle. To... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a popular tip this week. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, there's only like... You have to be a madman to tip the Raiders South game, right? And Well, it's just that the others seem seem like such slam dunks. Well, that's like what I'm Parents, saying. It's para, like... para feels like a layup. Warriors feels like a layup and a good way to get like, them I haven't the looked at the I haven't looked at the tip sheet yet, but I feel like 
those are the three teams that are going to be like yeah. well carnage teams. last week with um how, how quarter, what percentage of the comp, comp a quarter, quarter of the comp competition the yeah. took para took uh, Souths to beat para but mm. some of us were brave enough to to throw our lot in with Canterbury and look where it took us and some of us just uh, got a different tip wrong so who did I even tip who cares doesn't matter <laughs> did, I, did I tip the Raiders oh yeah I did you did yeah yeah, yeah that's not great not, not the well. best. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Renrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Redradra. All right, news time. Uh, some sad news today. Uh, Tina Turner... Passing away, Campo, uh, 83, uh, of course, the most iconic rugby league ad campaign of all time. It still feels bizarre that such a gigantic star was sort of woven into the fabric of this great game for like half a decade, pretty much. Um, and yeah, it's some sad news today with, with her passing away. Yeah, like it's. I think it's a measure of how iconic and beloved that that campaign was that so Tina Turner is a massive star, obviously, like global superstar and all that sort of thing. But her passing is front page news in this country, and like, and was leading all the TV bulletins until the fire happened in Sydney today because that campaign was so iconic, and because it just conjures up such memories for for so many different people, and sort of really changed the the sport in a really fundamental way. You know, I don't think that we have what we know as the modern game without that ad campaign, which is a crazy thing to say about a TV commercial, but the impact that it had and the way people talk about it, like it feels like it was more than that. And she was such a big part of that, you know? And I, I, I personally, I actually think what you get is what you see was the better, was the better song and the better campaign, but it just kind of gets swamped under simply the best, you know, it's, it's, it, I, I think now with the way that the media market is and the way that the league is with its advertising, simply the best is going to be the all time champion for, for footy songs, like until, until this game ends, whenever that'll be like simply the best will always be the gold standard, you know, and she might've, Tina might've passed, but she'll, she'll live forever with that song, you know? Absolutely. Um, Yep. Terrible news. But yeah, I think you're right. Like we love, we love that's my team and all that stuff, but yeah, certainly nothing since like, what was the last campaign that you can even remember that had like proper cut through? Well, they tried to bring back simply the best in 2020 with, 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 with Barnsley and all that. And then it kind of just got swamped under a bunch of culture wars bullshit because Latrell had the indigenous flag and a bunch of the worst people in the world really didn't like it. And then COVID happened and the NRL sort of swept the whole campaign under the rug. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we were in for another revival or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if come grand final day, there's a Tina Turner stage show that's, um, touring Sydney later this year. It wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of tie-in for that for the for the grand final and we get we get everyone singing the be- singing simply the best like it's nineteen ninety three all over again. If you get the chance, go back and watch that performance that Tina Turner gives at the nineteen ninety three grand final. And what stands out to me isn't Tina Turner, even though she was such a magnetic stage presence and it's not the fella standing next to her wearing a vest, no shirt, a leather vest, no shirt, and playing the saxophone. Hmm. It's the crowd. It's the way the crowd sings the song. Mm. It's it sounds like something that would happen in a European soccer game or something like that. It's the it's a level of crowd engagement and intensity that is really, really rare in Australian sport and especially rare in rugby league. And again, it just sort of shows how special that was. And how special it was to to not just one fan base or or one club or anything like that, but to the entire league, to the entire sport, you know? So do yourself a favor, go watch that if you want to feel some stuff two things i learned today by the way was a that song is a cover i didn't know that bonnie tyler sang the original version well and b it's not called simply the best it's called it's called the best Best. yeah Yeah. didn't know that. there you go something new every day what's what's your favorite tina turner song um i don't know that many i this is probably a case of like let me let me just jump on spotify real quick Gundy like, ahead, Gundy ahead. Could you do the nutbush? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could. <laughs> we, we, that's a bizarre cultural thing, right? That we all had to do that at 
like in school. Well, we didn't have to. We chose to. No, we like had to like. Yeah, but it was. Like did did, the, did they put a gun to your head? And oh say, yeah, what's love got do to do the with numbers? it? Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, um, my my favorite my favorite Tina Turner song is Proud Mary. Um, but then my second favorite is probably What's Love Got to Do with It. Then what you get is what you see rounds out the podium. Good, fantastic. Um, wait, is it the same Proud Mary that Creedence Clearwater Revival did? Yeah, but she does a cover of it, and it's great. Oh, sick! I'll have to listen to that. That's great. All right. Um, some other new like this has been talked about a couple of times, but it looks like it actually has legs this time, Campo. So we are going to talk about it. Um, the going to Vegas. Yeah, the NRL will apparently kick off the 2024 season with uh, a game in Las Vegas. Um, a double header, potentially, in fact. So the Brisbane Broncos are expected to be uh, one of those teams, and then the other rumored teams could be anyone. But the, the the Souths, Roosters, and Storm were the other ones that have been chucked up there that I saw today. So Yeah, I, mean, I, um, I hate to sound like a narc on yeah. this, but I actually find this whole... Vegas thing quite distasteful. Like the reason they're going to Las Vegas, the reason they are taking matches to Las Vegas is not to build rugby league in America. It's because sports gambling is legal now in America. And there are not, there are not those West coast. There are not billions at stake. There are hundreds of billions at stake. And like, it is up for grabs for anyone that wants to go in there and give the Seppos some action. And the NRL wants a piece of it. Right. So they want to, they want to turn rugby league into the sort of content that Americans will gamble on, right? Because again, there is just gargantuan amounts of money to be made. Mm -hmm. Like that's okay. Like I get that, right? I love punting. I love gambling. It's awesome. But I think it's really disingenuous for the NRL to hide behind, oh, we're trying to spread the game. We're trying to take it to America when really it's all about gambling money. Right. Yeah. But to hide behind it and say, oh, no, 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 this is different to all the times that we've been to America before because we're taking a proper competition game over there this time. As if the reason that the that rugby league has never taken off in the States is that, oh, we, they just haven't had the chance to see South Sydney. They haven't had a chance to see Manly Warringah, you know? And then when they dress it up with stuff like, oh, Russell Crowe's going to get involved and Hugh Jackman's going to get involved and Tim Zhu's going to have a fight and Alex Volkanovsky's going to have a fight. And, I don't want to sound like the fun police, but it's like you're just you're dressing something up. You're trying you're trying to make this look like yeah spreading the gospel of the game. It's not. You're after the money. You're after the money. And the again, that's is, fine. But just don't play don't play me for a chump, dude. Don't don't you, tell me that you're taking footy over there to spread the word of foot to spread the word of footy. You're doing so, this for money. You're doing this so people will spend the spend their gambling dollars. On this sport, like just call it what it is. We're all on, adults here. On Saturdays and Sundays in Australia, so the Saturday and Sunday afternoon footy games, they will be kicking off on Friday nights at like nine or ten PM in Vegas, and Saturday nights at nine or ten PM in Vegas. And there's very little other sport on in those time slots over there. So yeah, I yeah I don't know, man. Like again, I don't want to sound like I'm fun police or whatever because like I'm I'm not that guy. Like. No, if anything, I, I don't if, think if anything, if anything, I have too, if anything, I have too much fun, but like, I don't know, the, like the, the rugby league's tried to crack it in America so many mm. different times. And I was always a really big believer in it, that if it was marketed the right way and presented the right way, it could catch a bit of a foothold there, but I'm starting to think that's just not possible, mm. you know? And I don't know, this just seems like a, a quite a cynical ploy that's being dressed up as like yes. a glitzy, glamorous, I, I ultimate don't think anyone, to Vegas type. I don't deal. think anyone's going to mistake your points for you saying like you don't want to go on a footy trip to Las Vegas or you don't want to like party. I don't think anyone's taking it though. I, I love partying. I want that on the exactly. record. I, I love think your partying. points are perfectly legitimate and I agree with them. And yeah, I would be honestly, if this uh, legitimately... If they'd come out with like the CEO of Tabcorp or someone saying this is going to open new markets for the sport in terms of like late night gambling in in America, I'd have a lot more respect for it, which yeah. obviously never going to do. But that yeah. is a large chunk of why they're doing this. Let's be real. Well, Having that's, said that, that's the, that's that's why they're doing it. It's not a large chunk. It, that's one hundred percent the reason. It's, it also said that it would be at the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium rather than that shithole you saw a college stadium. Yeah, like well that's it that's a that's a good move, but it's also very contingent on getting the punters over there. You know correct. I mean it is it, it, it I will say it is about as dead as it gets in sports calendar as well. There's fuck all going on. The the buckets is in a lull. Baseball hasn't started yet. Hockey's not in the playoffs yet. So it's very much 
March is sort of very much the sweet spot if you do want to do something like this, whether you, it's for the right reasons or for the wrong well, you reasons. Got, you got March Madness as well. You, they're going up against that if it's in March. Well, not if it's in early March. Mm. Well, I don't know when the exact date would be, but uh, March Madness is usually, what, the last two weeks of March? So, like, yeah, it, that sounds like March 20th. So, yeah, that'd be very funny if it was the same weekend, and that would be classic <laughs> to, not, to just look at the professional sports and not research that, but... Uh, well, when did the season kick off this year? Do you know off the top of your head? If not, I can pull up the draw real quick. It was uh, it was like first week of March this oh, year. Oh, okay. Well, then they'd be fine because it would not be March Madness yet. So there you go. Perfect time yeah. to do it. Well, the, th- oh, the oh, thing is, the thing I'll is go. as well, like previous previous attempts to spread the game to America have copped a lot of shots as being a waste of money or a waste of time. Whatever. I remember when the Denver test was on in 2018, which was a, which was a semi-serious attempt to try and get something going over there. This seems like the least ham-fisted attempt. Yeah. For whatever reasons you want to throw out there, like the actual full strength teams play a competitive game. And I know you talked about all the window dressing and shit, but having big names, recognizable faces that Americans know, from the sporting world and from the world of whatever Mike Cannonbrooks does, like ha- having all those people involved and having actual points on the line with full strength teams, I think does make it a little bit more of a legitimate attempt. But why would Americans give a shit if points are on the line for a competition they don't know or care about? It's well, like okay, it's well, like, it's, like, no, it's no. like why why would any why would any sort of Joe six pack dickhead from no, Iowa no, no, want no. to come down to Vegas to see Latrell Mitchell? No, I well I. I like genuinely sincerely the reason i don't go to like any of the like the main reason i don't go to any of those sort of like soccer friendlies when they bring out big clubs here is because they're they're meaningless circuses they they have no stakes on the line but and i'm not saying they should do this but when there was talk that the premier league was going to take game 39 abroad and it was going to be an actual competitive premier league game whether you want to get into the reasons of whether that's right or wrong, I think that's definitely wrong. But if they hypothetically went ahead and did that and they had an actual Premier League game in Sydney with competition points on the line, I would go. Yeah, but you know what the, you knew what the Premier League was already. Sure, but I'm making the point that like I think anybody understands that there is a difference between an exhibition game and a game with stakes. And I, don't I understand think that, but if they league... don't if they don't know what the stakes are. You don't have like to know they don't. They don't know. They don't know shit about it, dude. Yeah, like, but it's. But it doesn't matter what sport it is, dude. If you hear the words "exhibition game," you immediately tune out a little bit, whether you know what's going on or not. It does matter a little bit that it is a competitive game. I get what you're saying, but I maybe, think it but I, do, I don't. Matter. I I like. There, there is no. We're, you've got to come in and assume that their level of knowledge is zero. That's true. The other thing you've is, got to I think more. That... The other thing is, I think more fans will travel if it's a competitive game. Oh well, the, the only the only way that this gets the way the only way that this is anything close to a success is is if people travel over for it. Well, because there'll be ex- say, there's expats over there too, man. Yeah, I know, but not to not enough to fill a sixty thousand seat no, stadium. No, of course not. But I don't think they like I don't know. Like they'll, they'll get a few thousand people travel for sure. Yeah, but like say they get twenty thousand, right? Yeah, which would be a great result. That's a great yeah. result. Yeah, that let would alone, be. Yeah. Let alone yeah, in yeah, Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And there's 20,000 people in a 66,000 seat stadium. Everyone's all spread out and it just looks like shit. Yeah. I do that every weekend. Sorry, mate. I'm going to do that on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to look like shit when the Souths play the Raiders. Yeah. Like the window dressing will drop away and we've all just got to admit that this is about getting a slice of gambling revenue, right? Oh, yeah. Well, we're not naive enough to think that it's anything else, but I'm just trying to find the positive in this. I'm probably going to go. I probably will go. My wife doesn't watch rugby league. She wants to go. So... That's exciting. She just wants to go to Vegas, which. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So to, to backtrack to my earlier point, the Denver test got pilloried in the media. Like a lot of people came and put their shots in about how it was unrealistic yeah. and what if blokes get injured and all that sort of thing. That's not going to happen this time because everyone wants to get on the junket. Everyone wants to go to Vegas, right? Mm. So everyone in the media is going to say that this is a great idea. That's you know? very funny so... and very true. It's, and it's just Denver's how it is. I'm not, I'm not begrudging everyone. Vegas no, no, no. is great. Fucking go Denver's there. Have a great, great time. Denver's a great place though. I oh, Denver, Denver was, Denver was awesome. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just hard for me to get excited about this one. And I very much am a rugby league expansionist and I do want to see the game yeah. spread all around the world. It's just, this just seems like such a cynical ploy. Yeah. I, I, I think you are probably right about that, but, um, whether it's for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, I'm pretty excited to go, to be honest. And um, well, that's great. Have a great time. You can come. Do you want to come? 
Mm, Every week I'm going to invite you to things that you don't want to do. (laughs) Well, it's quite a step up from inviting me to Movie World to inviting me to Las Vegas. Those roller coasters are both of them. Yeah, well, that's true. I'll tell you what. If you pay for me to go to Las Vegas, I'll go. (laughs) I'm already paying you, mate. That's 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 my final offer. Uh, you run a hard bargain. Let me, let me talk to the let me talk to the boom rookie CFO and see see if she can move some money around in the budget. Uh, but if we if you want to send Nick Campton to Vegas, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/NRLBoomRookies. <laughs> and a special thank you to the people in the top two tiers who have single handedly funded his first night of blackjack already. Chris <laughs> Afmel, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Carlinane, David, Doc Hogg. An anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh scores with Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks outs out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Spidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift. My ding ding dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Raystone Gossard, Reese Brown, Robert Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Twilo's Pies Investment Group, Warden of the Prison of Belief was and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Guys, I'm taking all that money and I'm putting it on black. And if it loses, I'm flying home straight away. Yep, that 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 that's that's a good strategy. I think you mentioned um when we were talking about Doyle Brunson dying, you mentioned that like poker was your your gambling game of choice. Yes. Right. And it lines up with your personality because like, you know, as we said earlier, like if you're dead inside and you've got no soul, you're probably going to be pretty good at poker. Sure. If you think that yelling changes the outcome of stuff, (laughs) then blackjack is your game. Like if you think you can, if you think through the power of belief, you can turn, you can turn that two into an ace blackjacks for you. So that's why it's my game. It's all about vibes and spirit and and thinking you control things you actually don't control. The funniest scenario is you going on a vibes-based heat and them kicking you out for card card counting. (laughs) No one's backing me to count the cards. That's true. (laughs) Unless it's two or six again. They're the two. We got the two figures. The two numbers I know. What? No, I know. I know three numbers. One. One I know one set. Two cards and six again. That's it. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, We'll be back on Monday to recap that handful of games and mainly talk about Origin 1 coming up Monday, uh, Wednesday night. Cannot wait. A a special guest on Monday as well. Who could it be? Whoever could it be? Indeed. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Bye, guys. See you, Bertrand. Goodbye from me. (laughs) 